Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to Brian Eberman, the CEO of Zinc, an analytics company for e-commerce sellers. So this week, we're talking about what e-commerce needs to measure and how you need to measure it. Thanks for downloading. Now, when analytics are mentioned, eyes tend to glaze over. But in a world of multiple platforms, kind of dragging in clients to your store from everywhere, all over the place, it's vitally important. But what do we kind of need to measure and how do we go about measuring it? So in this episode, I'm talking to Brian Eberman. He's the CEO of Zinc, which is an actionable analytics company for e-commerce. Unlike me, Brian seriously understands e-commerce analytics and he explains things like first party and third party data, uh, what we should be measuring, how it should be measured. It's a masterclass in understanding data. Now, you can find Brian on LinkedIn and Twitter and the Zinc website. There's links in the show notes, so give him a tap. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free? I'd love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media, subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing that I asked Brian was uh, proving... ROI, the return on investment for our digital efforts, is kind of difficult, right? So give us an idea on what we should be measuring. The modern e-commerce store should definitely be measuring um, first-party data um, on their own website, right? right. And making sure they have direct access to their own first-party data, um, which is all the click streams that are coming into their site, making sure that they've got UTM tracking on everything, uh, and that they're tracking all the experiences through it. So that's just the starting point, right? Yeah. Now they can feed that to GA, um, and I think most people do. Yeah. The difficulty, there's a couple of difficulties with GA, uh, but it's definitely something that people should be doing. Then I think on the orders side, right, the, really the insight you want to look at is what are my customers worth? And that, and that requires looking at not only what they ordered and what revenue you generated, but what, what, it, what did it cost you to deliver that revenue and what did it cost you to get that customer? So let, let's talk about first party, third party, kind of for those who don't know, kind of explain the difference between first party data and third party data. Right. And there's also between first party cookies and third party yeah. tracking. Yeah. There's a lot to get. Th- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... First party is the store. Right? Sure. The store has essentially a right, you know, that Apple and, and Android still acknowledge to understand what's going on its own website, right? Who's yeah. come, not, not who the person is, but how much activity is happening on their website, where did the traffic come from, um, what did the traffic, the people who use the website do on the site, what did they buy, right? Ultimately, yeah. the, the core is the core part of your first party data is your, you know, your registered users and what they purchased and what is your COGS and all those things are actually internal. So we need to distinguish between the stuff that even on the first party side, the stuff that the company alone knows, right? And the stuff, stuff that can be discovered through pixels and tracking. Sure. The first party data is kind of like our data. We, we can, we're tracking this at the moment quite a lot. Via, via third-party companies, though, aren't we? Yes. So I was going to say third-party um, is 
almost always client side, whereas yeah. first party can be both client side and server side. And client side means that it's JavaScript running in the browser. Yeah. And third party, which almost every, well, basically every, all ad technology platforms, um, I'm going to distinguish us a little bit in a minute, but yeah. all people who sell you ads, Facebook, TikTok, Google, um, they're doing third party tracking. They have a JavaScript that you insert on your website and it tells them, or it used to tell them, everything that happened uh, on your website. Yeah. Um, that's considered third party. And GA itself is actually considered third party in many ways. Yeah. And what's happened, you know, a lot of, you know, there's been a number of startups or one of them, but there have been a number of startups that have basically come out and said, look, we can help you with tracking and analytics. And the reason this has become so hot in the, one of the reasons, this is a lot of reasons, and I think it's a fundament, there's a number of fundamental reasons, but what's accelerated over the last year is the changes in Apple's policy on iOS sure. and with WebKit. Yeah, yeah. That, that's causing a bit of, yeah, it's causing a bit of, bit of trouble, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's causing a bit of trouble. I do think there are more fundamental reasons over time that people should get a hold of their own data and understand who their customers are. But the Apple side has driven a lot of activity over the last 12 months, you know, a lot of conversations about switching to TikTok from from Facebook. Yeah. Um, although I don't think that's actually solving anything. Yeah. Yeah. So do you so so with the with the third party cookies probably coming to an end soon? In the next few years, I would imagine. Do you see? Mm-hmm. Um, do you see us instead of using something like Google Analytics to collect our data for us? Do you see us collecting our own data, then maybe passing it on to somebody else? Yes, I do, um, and that could be Google still. Yeah. It could be still Google yeah. Analytics. But um, I mean, what's happened here? Let's just review a little bit of the history. Yeah, I mean, with the increase in privacy, GDPR, California privacy, etc. Apple really made the first major move. And what they did is they did three things uh, with WebKit and iOS. So with iOS, right, if you're on the mobile side, mm-hmm. if you're a mobile if you're a mobile app, right, yeah. you were severely affected by what's called IDFA, the uh, ID for advertisers, basically being optional. Uh, sure. and requiring user permission to turn on when before it was on by default. And all the mobile attribution companies basically relied on IDFA. That was yes. the central part of their business. On the web side, it's really changes in WebKit, which is underlies Safari and parts of Chrome. What they did is they first started blocking what they considered third-party pixels. And they did that by saying anything that opened, I, I've seen this thing open a connection to a website from many different websites. Therefore, it's a tracking cookie. It's a tracking pixel, and I'm sure. going to block it. Yeah. And so GA falls into that bucket because, of course, it's opening a connection to GA. Yeah. Uh, Facebook falls in that bucket. TikTok falls in that bucket. Yeah. Um, the next thing they did is they said, and and you'll see this very, very, very clearly if you look carefully at your revisit data. Any cookie that isn't a server-side cookie is deleted after seven days. And they basically said, we're going to shorten that to three days if it's a tracking cookie. Right. So you'll see that and that's why Facebook went to a seven-day attribution window because basically it disappeared. Hmm. So it, <laughs> that's, that's why it, they did it. I mean, a, a, lot um, of the, a lot of this is being driven particularly by Apple because Apple's obviously positioning itself in the marketplace as 
we care about you and we're going to look after your yeah. privacy and everything. But it, yes. but then if you look at the stats on kind of like browser stats particularly, we're kind of like talking 90% plus Google Chrome. So yes. Google Chrome are obviously going to be letting everything through, I would imagine, because Google wants to suck uh, up as much as they can. Similar things. They're not as far along. Hmm? Um, if you look at revenue to D2C, the companies, though, it's a different split. Right. Right, because the iOS side typically has higher purchase rates. So a lot of this we're talking, a lot of this we're talking mobile, right? We're talking mobile stuff away from the desktop browsers and things. Yeah, yeah I mean, most of the purchases happen on mobile. I mean, this, this effect on WebKit is both desktop and mobile, but on desktop, it's really only affects you if you're using Safari. So if yeah. you're on an Apple device, which has a very small percentage of total total usage. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I think is a little subtle um, to understand is that when you're on Facebook or TikTok, right? Yeah. And you see an ad and you click on that ad and go to the website, you're still in Facebook's browser. Sure. Yes. <laughs> and so then the person goes to, um, even on their mobile, that's a different space, a different tracking space. And so that shows up as um, untracked traffic. You, you can kind of see, I mean, if you're running an e-commerce store and you're just getting on with your business and you're selling your T-shirts and your shoes and your whatever, you can right. see why this is just like, like, what is going on? I don't understand a word of it because, I mean, it confuses me and I've been doing it for nearly 20 years. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's a tremendous amount of subtlety here. Um, and I've been doing this for like 20 years like you. Yeah. Uh, they're just re And it's constantly changing. Yeah. Um, so you really have to rely on another party. Generally, people rely on their agencies yeah. uh, around us to explain it to them. But I think even some of the smaller agencies have a hard time keeping up with what's actually going on. Do you think in the future we will move to something where we collect our own data and then we decide exactly who we then, then pass it on to? Like if we're running Facebook ads, we might give some of our own data to Facebook to target our ads. Yes. I do. Um, and I think that's the bet we're making. I think that the companies who are smart are basically moving towards, I'm going to understand all of my own traffic. Yeah. I'm going to do as much of that as I can from server-side tracking, right? Yeah. And server-side cookies. We actually integrate with people who do that because that's not blocked. Sure. Because, you know, ultimately the user has to interact with your website, right? Yeah. And so your yeah. code has to interact with your website. Uh, and, you know, I think it's, it's reasonable to say, you know, if you think about someone at a store, like, okay, I tracked that someone came in my store. Oh, I'm starting to recognize that person buys from me a lot. Yeah, yeah. What, what the objection is, I know you go to these 20 stores, so I'm going to advertise to you. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I can see that you've moved from my store to my competitor's store, right? That That is really a, a bit of a violation of privacy. But knowing about who... And, you comes into your store and being able to provide them personalized offers seems eminently reasonable. Right. So I, th I think we've got first party and third party. I think we got that sorted. I think um, you mentioned UTM tracking and that, which is which mm -hmm. I don't think folks do enough in, in, in my own opinion. I think that every flipping link you send out to the web should have some sort of tracking built into mm -hmm. it so you know where it's going. Just explain briefly what, what UTM tracking is. So UTM tracking is an old mechanism mm. uh, it's been around for quite a long time where you basically appending parameters onto your uh, your onto the web page request yeah uh, and all the ad platforms will 
auto if you put a pattern in will auto fill that pattern for you yeah to provide you information about the click where did it come from what ad did it did the person see what ad set were they in what campaign were they in and what source were they in and there are you know google recommends a number of standard patterns so does facebook so do we so does every analytics provider and it's really important to enforce when you're marketing team that they follow those standard patterns otherwise you're going to you do all the work and you don't generate as much value yeah so we're, we're kind of trying to i suppose segment the different the different places where we're promoting our our products and our businesses so we can, yeah, we can exactly. see, yeah we can see whether a tweet exactly. has generated as business or a facebook ad has generated as business that sort of exactly thing. I, mean, I mean ultimately what you want to know is where did my traffic come from yeah and um you can't like as i said you can't fully track that because you might have some stuff that looks like it's organic meaning it's on utm parameter yeah, uh, like Google search or something that actually came from an ad platform. But, you know, most of the traffic can be, be tracked through through this. Um, you don't know who the user is. Sure. But when they arrive on your website and your first party tracking, you can say, oh, I've seen that person again. They're now coming in through Google when I saw them previously on Facebook. So this is the second time they've come to my website and they seem to be interested in this product. And And then I suppose you can you can notice that and you can maybe even tailor the content towards that person, right? Exactly. You can tell, you know, you can tailor the content, you can tailor the offer. Yeah. You can um, do more sophisticated things like turn off advertising when they've come too many times. Yeah. Yeah. You can set that when they do buy, you can set the value of that purchase back to the ad platforms so they can bid, bid to return on investment effectively yeah, or return on advertising spend. And you can ultimately compute what did it cost you to get a customer? Yeah. And that's important. That's really important because I know a lot of folks don't do that. They look at like the overall spend. They, they, they kind of like look, oh, well, we spent 10K this month on Facebook ads and we got 40K of revenue or something like that. So yeah, it's working. Exactly. And it actually even surprises me. You know, most people do exactly what you just said. They look yeah. at the month and they said, you know, I spent a hundred thousand dollars yeah. in advertising this month. I got two thousand new customers. Yeah. Hopefully they distinguish new versus old. Yeah. And it cost me fifty dollars to get a customer. And when you say, Well, what did it cost you to get that on Google? Yeah. What did it cost you to get that on Facebook? What did it cost you to get them from Minnesota versus getting them from Maryland? Yeah. They have no idea. Yeah, 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 and that's and that's where you get, and that's when you when you look at it very analytically like that. That's where you can start switching campaigns off and altering campaigns and trying to save a little money and get some some more oomph out of your ad spend. Exactly. I mean, the customers that we've looked at, and I think anyone who gave you analysis, you'd see this. You can see it's just a tremendous spread. It's not like it's a ten percent spread, twenty percent spread. It's a multi-factor, like a hundred to one spread. Yeah. Uh, and what it can cost to get a customer. And, and when we've got that customer, I suppose, like you mentioned before, that customer's worth to you. Do we need to be kind of measuring the lifetime value a, a little closer? Yes, it does depend a bit on your on your business. Sure. Uh, in terms of lifetime value, right? Everybody should be measuring cost of acquisition. Yeah. Um, but I would distinguish companies into sort of three buckets, if you will. And there's sort of some mixtures here. There are the companies that well, maybe four buckets. They're the companies that sell a small set, set of goods, and when they, the user purchases that good, they've basically 
that relationship with the customer is effectively over. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, for those guys, and there are a lot of those um, companies, really what matters is cost of acquisition versus the average order value. Sure. And actually, you shouldn't even look at average order value. You should look at average order profit after accounting for COGS. Right. Then there are the companies that sell many different products, right? Each one might be only bought once, but you have the opportunity to sell the consumer another product by building a relationship with the consumer. Yeah. And their lifetime value matters. And then you have the companies that are selling consumables. Sure. Right, of some kind. Yeah. And lifetime value is everything for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the cost of acquisition can be quite high. But then over the exactly. lifetime, over the lifetime of the, because I had somebody explain it to me really simply a few few months ago on the, on the podcast in another episode, and they said if you think about a, a brow bar, somebody that does your eyebrows, right? It'll cost like mm-hmm. ten pounds, ten dollars to get your eyebrows done. It might cost thirty pounds, thirty dollars to get that client on Facebook. But then once they've had their brows done, they'll have them done again in a few weeks' time and then again in a few weeks' time. Then they might get their nails done and they might get their hair done. And and at the end of the day, over a year, they've spent a few hundred pounds with you, just that one person. And the cost of their acquisition has been 30 pounds. And then it's worth it, isn't it? Exactly. And really what you have to do is figure out, it's very much worth it because you you know maybe you've spent 30 pounds to get them, the first order is 10, but over their life they might be worth 200 pounds. Yeah. The trick is to figure out who's going to be worth 300 pounds and who's only going to be worth 10 pounds. Yeah. And which activities you're undertaking tend to increase the value. And it's not just advertising, right? It's communication, it's service, it's product choice, it's pricing, it's discounting. Yeah. But you really want to look at your business through the, those activities and how they're affecting the lifetime value of your customer. So when we track all this, because like, as I've said before, that this can be mightily confusing, even for folks who've been doing it for a while, especially with all the, the different platforms uh, which are dragging in uh, kind of like clients to your, to your website or your app. Um, how do we actually kind of unify all this data in one place? So what you want is, you know, the larger companies have solutions for this, yeah. right? And I think the challenge has become that the mid-size e-commerce companies now need to play at that scale. Yeah. Right? If you're Wayfair or you're L.L. Bean or you're Lululemon, right, you hire a bunch of engineers and they spend millions of dollars and they yeah. build you this system. Yeah. Right? Or you spend a ton of money on a CDP and you integrate that with your data warehouse. Sure. But if you're a 5 to $10 million e-commerce vendor, that's completely out of reach. Sure. So... You know, the, I think that's why the market opportunity for analytics has appeared in this space is there's so many companies in that boat. And what, what you have to do is you need to integrate all your advertising data, all your sales data, yeah. all your user data, and then you have to decorate the user data with anything you learn about the users in terms of the activities you've done for those users. Right. Right. And then you need analytics that will help you slice and dice that to understand how various activities you've done have increased the value or decreased the cost. So how does your tool help with all of this? Zinc, which is a great name. Yep. Zinc. Yep. So we're one of a handful of players uh, that are working on this problem. We provide uh, people an analytics tool, an analytics platform that pulls in all their advertising data. Right. 
the, we solve that problem. We unify the data. We pull in advertising data, sales data. Uh, we have a first-party pixel that, they, that the company deploys um, to, unit, to link the advertising data, the sales data. Yeah. And then you, you know, we provide a mechanism to enrich the data with things that only the company knows. Sure. Right. That this user was subject to this discount. That this user um, buys. I don't know. That they're they're they might have character demographic characteristics. Yeah. Um, we get their cogs data, and we unify all that into a single platform. And then we also provide data, a data engine, a data science engine, on top of this data, to basically build customer lifetime value models and cost models for them. Um, that can then be segmented using any of the user characteristics. And, and I suppose that the, the, the results you get from this can kind of like drive your strategy in the future, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, a typical thing we show customers right away is, you know, there's a 100 to 1 variation in your cost of acquisition. There's a 100 to 1 variation, almost always a 100 to 1 variation in lifetime value of these customers. Yeah. You haven't correlated this. They're not linked to each other. Yeah. You're spending a lot of money and people will not worth very much and you're not spending enough and people are worth a lot. Yeah. You need to chop these into audiences, go after them at different price points, and then you need to look at how your activities, right, like running an A-B test or changing your product offering mix, um, are affecting that. Um, are the reports readable? Because I still hate Google Analytics. And the new Google Analytics 4 is just, well... I don't. I don't think it's ready yet. <laughs> Interesting. Um, we provide a very powerful tool that acts a lot like Excel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we basically pull all the data in as if it was a giant spreadsheet. You know. You, you know. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you have, and give you an online ability to pivot it and look at it however you wish. Sure. Um, and then we guide people with our own reports on how to look at that data effectively. And we provide um, customer uh, success service on top of that that helps people understand what to do. Um, and often we're engaged with their agencies. So so we don't have to sit down there and try and make headway of all of this ourselves because we, we can just look at pre pretty charts. Well, you still have to know what to do. Right? Yeah. So that's where customer success becomes really important, right? Yeah. Um, and we end up... You know, we provide a lot of support to the company because, as you said, they're they're in the a lot of these people that are in the e-commerce business are very very good product people. They yeah. know their customer. They know what yeah. product they want to build. They know how to source it. They've sort of, but they, you know, it's very difficult to do that and know the marketing side. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know a load of marketers as well who are absolutely excellent at marketing, but they it's just like analytics and that they'll hire somebody specifically to do research and analytics, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the marketplace of labor, analytics and data science is one of the hardest things to find. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Brian, this is fascinating. I could go on for hours about this because there is so much to talk about. And it, it, it as you say, it changes so so rapidly with um, the, the, all sorts of different, you know, with Apple, what they're doing with new social platforms, you know, coming mm -hmm. to the fore and disappearing maybe. And, oh, yeah. And um, where can we find Zinc, it's a great name. And uh, where can we find your website, social media? Um, so we're spelled Z-E-E-N-K.com. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so you can find us on the web. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn, and we'll be posting things about how best to measure your company and optimize your business constantly there. We also have a blog. 
people are welcome to follow uh, where we discuss similar topics. And we're always open for any kind of conversation to help people uh, understand how to optimize their business. Fantastic, Brian. Look, thanks ever so much for your time. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Brian for his time. Don't forget to check out the links in the show notes. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.